Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Called a confession today is Proverbs 29, verse 9. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. Fools can be hopeless. No matter what methods you use, they cannot and will not seem to learn wisdom. They are hopelessly foolish, stubbornly conceited, and rebelliously wicked. You can try to anger, you can try to use your anger or your humor, but nothing will change those foolish hearts. There's only one physician for this disease and only one counselor for them. Proverbs speak again and again about the fool, one who denies the authority of God in their words and their actions. A fool trusts his own heart and rejects instruction. He loves himself, he hates wisdom, and loves folly, though he will not admit it. He is not merely foolish, he has given over to folly. He thinks, he speaks, and acts contrary to wisdom and the standard of God's word. And rather than fall into despair over helping them, Solomon warns here that there are no methods available to man to change those difficult persons. And sometimes I think it's easy for us to read the Proverbs like this one or other scriptures and only see the other guy as the fool. We make ourselves out to be the only wise ones. But if the truth were told, we were born as fools. This is the human condition. Only the renewing and the generation through the Holy Spirit can save us. There is no evangelistic method or techniques or emotional pleas that can save a fool. He is dead in sins and with a heart at war against God, against truth, and against wisdom. Even Abraham told the rich man that even Lazarus coming back from the dead would be a worthless evangelist. There's nothing you can tell a sinner to influence him in the least. His mind is at war against God. Fools must be granted faith, faith in Christ, and resurrected from spiritual death and quickened into life by the voice of the Son of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is of the Lord. This reminds us of our own need to confess our sins. I invite you to kneel where you are. message this morning comes from Matthew chapter 15, uh, beginning at verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. 
Well, I don't know about how your week has gone, but mine has been very different than a typical week. I was on a unicycle a week ago because we were having an event at church with a circus theme, and I said, oh yeah, I used to ride one of those. Last time I was on one was, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 years ago. And rather than starting out with the little one, I ordered a big one, got up there five feet high, and uh, was practicing at church last, after, last Sunday afternoon. Lots of falls, but after persevering, had a glorious 20-foot ride, and I thought, well, maybe this will come back after all. The next effort, down I went, and I heard my knee go, and I knew those were ligaments, and I did the crab walk, tried to remember what the crab walk involved, and did that to my car, and drove home to face my wife. So since that time, there's been doctor's appointments, I've got an MRI tomorrow night, lots of prayer, lots of prayer. First of all, forgive me for my lack of common sense, Lord, and uh, praying that it wouldn't require surgery, that it would heal, all those things. Then we had Hurricane Irma making its way. We have two of our kids in South Florida, my brother's on the West Coast, my kids are on the East Coast. And, uh, and so we've been praying, and as we, we pray, we struggle. How do you pray? Do you rejoice when you're told the path is changing, it's going to go up the West Coast? Or how do you pray? Does God care about people facing hurricanes? Will he respond to our prayers and reroute them? I have a daughter who's getting ready to deliver in the next couple of weeks her baby. We're praying about the timing of that. Does God care about the timing of a delivery, about the safety? Those are all very real things. And I'm sure you've had your concerns this past week as well. You know, when it comes to prayer, the first obstacle our faith encounters is daring to even come to the Lord with our request. Matthew draws us into the pain of this Canaanite woman whose daughter is possessed by a demon. That's a hard one for us to relate to. But we can expand, we can generalize on that and realize what a heartbreaking position to be in. Have you ever witnessed firsthand the heartache of parents whose child is deeply disturbed emotionally, psychologically, mentally? In verse 23, Matthew writes that she was constantly crying out. And in verse 25, she says, Lord, help me. She's so immersed in her daughter's suffering that it has become her own. She says, help me. And those of you who are parents have no trouble understanding this. Have you ever wished that you were the one, instead of your child, to suffer some sickness or some rejection or painful experience? Well, let's look at the obstacles that this Canaanite woman had to overcome in order to bring her request to Jesus. First of all, she was not a Jew. She was a Gentile, a Canaanite, we're told in verse 22. That means that she has no claim to the Messiah. In fact, her people have been slaughtered by the Jews in the past. Remember when God brought the Jews out of Egypt into the promised land? Canaan was the promised land. 
And the Jews were ordered to kill and drive out the Canaanites in order to gain possession of the land. And then there was the religious prejudice that this woman had to overcome. Her people worshipped Baal and the fertility gods. So approaching Jesus for help carried the risk of being rejected by him. Second, there was also the risk of getting in trouble with her fellow Canaanites for going to a Jewish prophet for help. What would they think of her seeking out one of the enemy for assistance? Third, she also took the risk of discovering that the reports about Jesus and his abilities to heal were untrue. After all, there was no live television coverage back then of miracles and healings. The woman from Canaan was coming merely on the basis of hearsay. Well, what if Jesus was not who they said he was and he was unable to help? Finally, there was the obstacle of not being able to get through to Jesus. Finding Jesus and actually getting a chance to speak with him were two very different things. I remember some years back uh, when President Bush came to our area and I decided to go out to the uh, Orchard Ridge campus of OCC to hear him. I couldn't believe the crowd. I couldn't believe the security. There would have been no way to get up close and make a request, let alone have a conversation with him. And I'm sure for this Canaanite woman, to somehow get past the crowds and get to Jesus with a request would be no small feat. So often we feel that our circumstances are, no, are too insignificant to bring to the Lord. We only need to spend time with younger children to correct that misconception. For a child, nothing is too insignificant to bring to God. I can remember at home hearing our kids ask God to help them sit still at the table or to help them find a lost toy or even to help them make it to the restroom on time. Could this woman from Canaan get through to Jesus? He was surrounded by his disciples who functioned as bodyguards. And in verse 23, they say to Jesus, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. She was making a nuisance of herself and the disciples wanted her dismissed. So this Canaanite woman overcame all these obstacles and took the risk of coming to Jesus with her request. And that's what the Lord wants you and me to do as well. God's word says, cast all your burdens upon him because he cares for you. Jesus himself said, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. It's probably safe to say that most of us here today have overcome the first obstacle involved in prayer. We've taken the Lord at his word, dared to bring our request to him in prayer, whether for ourselves or for others. But this incident with the Canaanite woman points us to a second larger obstacle as she encounters the Lord, an obstacle that we too face in prayer. Things go smoothly in our prayer life, until we don't get our way. We ask the Lord for something and he doesn't respond the way in which we want him to. I'm sure you can think of a time when you brought to the Lord a request and he didn't answer the way you had in mind. That's the second obstacle. And we overcome the first obstacle and we're bringing our concerns to our needs, our desires to God in prayer. 
if that's the case, then we're guaranteed to run into the second obstacle. Jesus did. The disciples did. I have, you have. Experience shows that one of two things happens when we hit that second obstacle. The first possibility is we run into it and it stops us. It flattens us. We react in disappointment or bitterness or hurt or anger. And as a result, either we, we don't bring any more requests in that area to God. That's the end of prayer for that area. Perhaps we pray for a friend or a relative's cancer, that the Lord will heal it, but the person ends up dying. And so we can respond by saying, I guess I don't pray for healing anymore. Or if you prayed for help in finding a job or for a loved one's salvation or for a marriage partner or for reconciliation in a relationship or for your house to sell. And if God doesn't respond in the way that you want him to, then you might conclude, I guess in that area of my life, I'm alone. I can't depend on God to come through. And what happens is, as you go through life and keep experiencing disappointments, when God doesn't give you what you want, more and more areas are labeled keep out as far as prayer is concerned. After all, how else can you prevent the pain, the disappointment, the hurt? Well, the second possibility is that you, you only bring safe requests to God from that point on. Prayer becomes limited to general and impersonal requests because you're convinced that God really isn't concerned about the details of your life. So we simply pray, Thy will be done, Lord. But there are no specific requests involving any real personal risk. Is that where you're at today in your prayer life? Certain areas are off limits, or you've stopped praying altogether because it doesn't seem to make a difference or you limit your prayers to the safe ones. These are all options when we encounter the obstacle of not getting our way with God in prayer. But in our text, we're given an additional way to respond when our prayers are met with God's silence or a response that's difficult to swallow. There's another possibility. Like the Canaanite woman, you can jump over the hurdle. You can overcome the obstacle when God responds differently from what you expect. Well, let's look more closely at the different forms this hurdle can take. The first way God cannot give you what you want is when he responds in silence. So in verse 22, the woman cries out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. And then in verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. Why did Jesus delay in giving this poor woman the help she needed so desperately? Isn't that hard for you and me to understand when God responds in silence to our requests? Does the woman give up? Verse 23, the disciples report, no, she keeps crying out after us. Send her away. Why was the Lord silent? As we read on, we discover that the Lord's silence tested this woman's faith. You see, the silence of God can actually be a good thing. Maybe we need more than the thing we're praying for. Maybe we need to develop the patience to wait. Or perhaps God knows that we need 
to develop humility as we discover that there's a perspective different and perhaps better than our own. Maybe we need to examine our motives and God's silence reveals to us the true intent of our heart. Sometimes we need to develop a far greater dependence on God and his silence helps to drive us into his arms. Sometimes God withholds what we desire in order to give us what we truly need. And he knows that our greatest need is to come to enjoy him as our greatest treasure. To have genuine, satisfying fellowship with him. In the case of the Canaanite woman, God's silence, Jesus, I should say, his silence caused her to persevere. To go on and demonstrate even greater faith. You see, the test of God's silence reveals the true object of our faith. It reveals who you ultimately are relying on, yourself or God. You know, the woman could have said, you know, you Jews are all alike. I should have known better and simply walked away. Or she could have said, well, that didn't work. I guess I'll have to try something else. But instead, she continues to put all of her hope in Jesus. And isn't that what true faith is? She keeps on believing that he alone can help her. She's been knocked down by the silence. But she gets up, she wipes herself off, she continues to pursue the only course that will free her daughter. And her heart goes out to this mother as she begins crying out again, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. We watch really in amazement as this woman's faith takes her past the obstacle of the silence. And then the Lord breaks his silence and speaks to her. I mentioned earlier that when we run into God not answering our prayers the way we want, it takes two different forms. The first one is what he doesn't say, his silence. But the second form that obstacle takes is what the Lord does say in response to our prayers. And in verse 24... Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. What does Jesus mean by that? Well, we have to remember that the primary focus of the Lord's earthly ministry was the Israelites, the Jews. It doesn't mean that the Gentiles had no part in God's plan of salvation. But the time when the doors of God's kingdom would be flung open wide to bring in the Gentiles, that was still off in the future. The prophecy of Joel that the Gentiles will be brought into the kingdom is not fulfilled until Pentecost, after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So at this point, the Gentiles' involvement in the Lord's ministry is limited at best. And he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. I don't know what would be worse, encountering the Lord's silence or getting those words. Verse 25, she came and was falling at his feet and saying, Lord, help me. She continues to persevere. And then Jesus raises the obstacle a notch higher, saying it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, if this Gentile woman had any trouble getting the point earlier, it's perfectly clear now. Jesus tells her it would not be proper to give Israel's blessings, the blessings that belong to the children of Israel, to those who don't belong to Israel. You see, this woman didn't belong. She was a Canaanite. And Jesus is saying, after all, dogs, no matter how precious they are to their owner, 
are not children, and they have no right to be treated as children. What a blow. This woman is no match for Jesus. His words cut her to the heart, and she falls down one last time, and it's a hard, painful fall. As you and I watch this poor woman reduced to nothing, because it seems that her daughter's hopes for recovery have been snuffed out for good. She speaks. Yes, Lord, she says quietly. She's gotten the point. As a Gentile, she has no rights before the Messiah. She cannot demand the blessings that are reserved at this time for Israel alone. But as we start to close our Bibles and walk away, the woman starts to get up. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know, when this final test of her faith came, she could have said, all right, that's it. I've had enough. I'm not going to sit here and take this. I came for help, not for insults. Not after all I've risked. But no, her persevering faith brings her through the testing. And she says, okay, if I'm just a dog, I understand that I'm not entitled to the loaf of bread, which is for the people. But any good master, any good master lets his dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. Do you understand what she's saying? She's saying, do you know what, Lord? I'll settle for the crumbs. Let me have the crumbs. Because if you are who they say you are, the crumbs will be enough to heal my daughter. The Canaanite woman's daring faith, her persevering faith, lifts her over that final obstacle. And indeed, the crumbs are enough. Jesus says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. What a tremendous example of daring faith. Perhaps you'll find yourself asking, are all our times of prayer to be such knockdown, drag-out sessions, Pastor? No, not at all. The Bible gives us hundreds of examples where people cry out to God and he answers yes immediately. But when God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want or when you want, when he chooses to place an obstacle or two in your path, what are you going to do? Are you going to crash into it and stay down, choosing to no longer trust in him? Or are you going to go back to depending on yourself instead? When you bring a request to God and then demand that he respond in your way or else, you're not really trusting his judgment, are you? But you can exercise faith. And let it carry you over the obstacle. If you follow the example of the Canaanite woman. And come to the Lord with open hands as you present your requests. Relying upon him alone for the outcome. If you allow the testing of God's silence. And his difficult words. To push you on. To demonstrate even more faith. And a greater dependence upon him then you will enjoy a whole new level of relationship with God and you'll experience his strengthening your faith as never before. So let this woman's faith 
encourage you to take those areas you've stopped praying for and bring them again to the Lord. For he says, in nothing be anxious, in everything, not in most things, not in some things, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. I can't finish without looking for just a moment at the all-important differences between the Canaanite woman and us. What advantages do you and I have as followers of Jesus Christ alive today in 2017 over this Canaanite woman of the first century? Well, first of all, she only had hearsay to go on as to what the Lord could do for her daughter. She was an outsider to the Jews. But you and I have the entire Bible as a testimony to what God can do in our lives if we only believe and persevere. Second, if you've put your faith in Christ, you are no longer an outsider to the faith. You're on the inside. The Bible says that you are an heir to God's promises and his inheritance, and you are a co-heir with Jesus Christ, adopted as his own child with all the rights and privileges that come with that. Access to God at any time. Finally, he's given you a command when he says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you for everyone who asks receives. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The crumbs were enough for the Canaanite woman. But you and I have been given the whole loaf. And so we're called to dare to come to him. Let's pray. Lord, your word calls us in the Psalms to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Forgive us for those times, Lord when we haven't even bothered to come to you in prayer. Forgive us for those times when we've come, but when your response hasn't been right away, we've given up and we've stepped out in our own strength to handle things. Forgive us for those times when we've come up against the obstacles of what you've said or how you've answered our prayers and responded with anger or hurt or we've given up. Lord, please call to mind frequently for us this example of the Canaanite woman, a woman who was on the outside looking in, a woman who wasn't part of the inner circle. She wasn't even part of the outer circle. And yet she persevered. We pray, Lord, that we would be reminded that we have been given the entire loaf and that you are a good God, a faithful God, who will respond and will give us what we need, even when it's not what we ask for. Help us, Lord. Even as you have taught us to pray as we continue praying.
communion meal tells us who our Father really is. He is the Lord God Almighty. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And as Pastor Tweedy pointed out to us, that he has adopted us. He's made us joint heirs, joint heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the elder brother, but Jesus doesn't hoard the Father's inheritance for himself. All that belongs to Jesus also belongs to us. It's true that there are false sons in the pale of the church, but if we look to Jesus as the author and the finishers of our faith, he will confess, I'm sorry, if we confess that we need a Savior and look to Jesus to save us from our sins, if we believe the word of the Father that has come to him, we will find relief from our heavy loads that we carry. There's no doubt who our Father really is. We are his and he is ours. We are pleased to be at his table and he is pleased to serve us here as joint, joint heirs. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.